0: Hey, I'm Brian. Thanks for clicking on our video and giving us a watch today. Hope that this video is a blessing to you and to whoever you might be watching it today with. Uh, If you'd like to find out more about us, you can go to HarmonyChurch.tv and read up about us and you can find out about our service times. You can also go to HarmonyChurch.tv and you can do online giving if you like. There's a one-time giving or you can do recurring giving if you'd like to do that. If you'd like to maybe send us a gift of some kind, you can do that too. You can mail it to 7100 South Choctaw Road, Choctaw, Oklahoma. 73020 maybe you want to give us a call let us know maybe there's something we'd be praying about you can give us a call at 405-391-7310 thanks again for watching our video today and we hope it's a blessing to you and to your family i think i was around about 15 years old or so somewhere in that neighborhood and it was coming up on my birthday weekend and my parents invited me well they didn't invite me they told me i was going to go to the only event that You know, no teenage boy wants to go to. It was to go to a wedding. I didn't want to go. I had to wear a shirt and tie. You know, I had to wear a dress pants and dress shoes. It was horrible. I hated it. I didn't want to go, but I went. I went because my parents made me a promise, and the promise was that if I went, they were going to get me one of those Walkman cassette players. And if you don't know what that is, you just Google that thing up. But at the time, it was like the coolest thing. And I knew that if, you know, go to this event and get the cassette player Walkman, this is going to be awesome. Thing is, I'm still waiting for that cassette man Walkman. Never happened. My parents promised it to me. Never got it. So let that be a lesson to you, grandparents and parents out there. Our kids really pay attention to the promises that we make. And not only do we pay attention to those kind of promises, but, you know, our lives are really kind of built on a whole lot of promises kept and maybe not kept promises we make to other people promises that have been made to us promises that because of whatever the situation the complexities of things they just this never happened our lives seem to be kind of built on a whole lot of promises that either happened or or didn't happen or or were kept or maybe not kept And, and that's important because it's kind of built around like our life with God too in life with God, we have a lot of question marks about, you know, who God is. This is God that keeps his promises. You know, like, for example, um, we've had, you've had maybe this experience, maybe you know somebody that has, somebody has a job, they got promised a job at another location, so they go to get that other job, and then sure enough, like, that job doesn't work out, so when they go back to the other job that they originally had, oh, well, you can't have that one now. It was a promise that just didn't come through. And sometimes we kind of feel the same way about God. We kind of have these questions. Is God serious? Is this the kind of God that keeps his promises? What kind of God is this? And that's an interesting point because one of the journeys that mankind has had with God all starts with a promise. It all starts with a promise that comes between God and Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, God comes to Abraham and he makes him this promise. He says, look. If you follow me, if you do the things I'm telling you to do, then you will become this great father of this huge nation. So Abraham's thinking, okay, great, you know, I'm going to have all these kids, and I'm going to be a father of a nation, and it's going to be all right. And when that promise is made, he's already old, and he's only getting older. In fact, him and his wife Sarah both are only getting older. And a lot of years pass, and then still no child, and so finally, you probably know the story, Sarah finally says to Abraham, look, why don't you just take my handmaid servant Hagar here and, and we can at least have a child through her. It wasn't really God's plan. It wasn't really what he wanted. It wasn't what he wanted to go down. But eventually, God keeps his promise. And Sarah and Abraham have their promised son, Isaac. And they're ecstatic and they're excited. Finally, God has kept his promise this promise that seemed to be in jeopardy, all these twists and turns and all these things that just looked like it was never going to happen, and yet God keeps his promises. And that gets us all the way up to Genesis chapter 21. In Genesis chapter 21, we have this interesting story. 21 verse 1 says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Well, at this point, Abraham's really got to be questioning God. I'm questioning God. Maybe you are too. And here's why that's important. Because if we're going to be the kind of people that seek God, then we have to understand that there's often other gods out there to seek after. There are other gods, there's these other counterfeit gods that are out there. There are There are gods of monetary systems. There are gods of partisan political parties. There are the gods of armies. There are all kinds of other gods out there. And in Genesis, we find this god who makes promises, and yet these promises keep falling into jeopardy. It, it, It often looks like we're not really sure if this promise is really going to be kept at all. And so, maybe we just kind of have to ask ourselves, what kind of God is this? What what kind of a God makes these promises and then puts that promise into jeopardy? Like, like it's not going to come through. I mean, you, you promised Isaac, and he's here, and now you're placing that into jeopardy. Continuing on to the story. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he sent out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. It's an interesting little tidbit here, if only for the fact that this is the first time that the word worship is connected to God. Maybe there were some other discussions that were had, but at least written down, this is the first place we have the word worship, and God put in the same sentence. So you kind of got to wonder, do these servants even know what Abraham's talking about? Does Isaac even know what he's talking about when he says, we're going to go over here and worship? We're going to go worship. Well, okay. What does that even look like? We'll kind of continue on. Because so Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the knife and the fire, as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up, said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? That's a big question, isn't it? This is a big story. Abraham has taken his son out to this place to offer him up really, really weird. And again, we have to ask the question, what kind of a God is this? I mean, are you interested in this kind of a God? Is anybody that you know interested in this kind of a God? I mean, we've heard stories about this before. We've heard stories about uh, parents who have done terrible, horrible, horrific things to their children, and often their children have passed away at the hands of their own parents. And nobody said, oh, well, obviously... Those parents were just worshiping God. No, nobody said that. They did something terrible. They did something horrible, and their children lost their lives because of it. They weren't good parents. I find it interesting here in this story that Abraham is the one that's carrying the torch in the night. If there was going to be anybody who's who might be accidentally harmed, like the most, it's going to be Abraham. Abraham's the one who's going to has the most dangerous stuff in his hands. I think it's a sign that Abraham loves his son Isaac. I think it's a signal that Abraham loves and cares for his son very much. He's concerned about Isaac in the same way that you would be concerned about your children. And then he continues on, it says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it, he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the Lord cried out to him from heaven Abraham, Abraham here I am he said do not lay a hand on the boy," he said do not do anything to him now I know that you fear God and because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in the thicket by thorns he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. My guess is is that what's going on here is Abraham is taking the wood and setting it down and building the altar and getting things ready, binding up Isaac, all these things. My guess is those things are probably happening at about the same pace that my boys use to clean up their rooms. What probably could take about five or ten minutes ends up taking like five or ten days. It's just a bit too difficult to get the clothes from here to the washer. It could just take a while. And I think that's what Abraham is doing here. I think he's kind of slow and a, and a bit methodical. And this angel shows up and he, he says, Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do anything to Isaac. You know, it's pretty interesting that this story is called the sacrifice of Isaac. I find that interesting because Isaac is a sacrifice. That's not what happened. But this is still a very disturbing story. A very worrisome story. And again, you gotta kinda of ask, what kind of a God is this? I mean, what kind of a God are we seeking? And what we learn here in the story between God and Abraham is that God is not the kind of God that would ask you to sacrifice your sons or your daughters. This is a God who is fundamentally different than all the other gods that are out there. All the other gods might ask you to sacrifice your humanity. All the other gods might ask you to sacrifice the humanity of others. But not this God. This God is different. You know, we're told at the very beginning of the story when the angel appears to Abraham, we're we're told that that Abraham loves Isaac. What we're not told is, does God love Isaac? Does God love Abraham? Does Abraham love God? We're not told any of that. All we know is that just Abraham loves Isaac. Here at the end of the story, what we find out is God does love. That God moves towards us. And he comes towards us in love. And he expects us to do the same thing. He expects us to move forward other people's sons and other people's daughters in love. He expects that. Like God actually expects Abraham to love Isaac. And God expects us to love other people's sons and other people's daughters. And that's different than all the other gods that are out there. That's fundamentally different than all the other gods out there in the world. But it's kind of hard to do. It's hard to do because we are so often told to, you know, take care of your own house. Take care of your own stuff. And don't care about those sons and daughters over there. Don't care about those sons and daughters in India or Venezuela or Chicago or in your own neighborhood. Don't, Don't care about those. Just take care of your own house. That's not what this story tells us. This story tells us that God loves everybody's sons and everybody's daughter, And he expects us to do the same thing. It's the easiest thing in the world to put on your own little blinders. And all you see is your own desires and your own wishes and your own wants. That's all you see. That's all you see. And when you do, you start sacrificing other people's humanity. You're willing to sacrifice other people's sons. And other people's daughters. That's not the kind of world that God desires. God really does expect His people to love other people's sons and love other people's daughters because He sees all of us as our children. You know, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, Paul brings all this up and he says, It was God who was willing to sacrifice His only Son. And He did it out of love and He did it. For all of our benefits. And that's why, like at Harmony, every Sunday we we take communion. And by taking communion, we remember this great sacrifice. But it wasn't just for us. It was for everybody's benefit. And it's not just a sacrifice that was a one-time thing. It's it's a sacrifice that calls us to go and love other people's sons and other people's daughters. So we celebrate that. To celebrate the fact that God was the one who was willing to sacrifice his son, and that unleashes us to go and to love other people's sons and other people's daughters. God bless you. This is the book of Joshua, chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I don't know what you're facing this week, but as the Israelites are crossing over into the new country, it had to have been a terrifying thing. I don't know what you're facing this week, but might you face it with some courage, knowing that no matter what you're doing, God is with you. Peace be with you.